This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. It's Ashley Hales. I'm host of the Finding Holy podcast and author of the book Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much. I am thrilled for this special series through the month of November, where I'm going to sit down with some of my friends, Brandon O'Brien, Danae Pierre, and Jose Humphreys, to talk about the theme of place. And whether you live in the suburbs, whether you live in Manhattan or rural America or small town, We want to actually consider how do our places shape our desires? How do the laws and the history and even our winding walking paths shape how we relate to God, each other, and the world around us? We hope that you have had the distinct pleasure and opportunity to glean from so much wisdom from the previous three episodes. But if you haven't, go back and listen. Just a few episodes ago, Brandon and I talked about place. Why does it matter? What does it look like when we move around the country or around the world? How does it affect what we believe, what we think? And then we brought on two great friends, Danae Pierre, who is in Phoenix, Arizona, and Jose Humphreys in East Harlem, New York City, both of whom talk about staying put, loving your place, and being faithful where God has called you. And it is such beautiful conversations. Don't miss it. But here in this final episode of our mini-series on place, Brandon O'Brien and I talk about How do we connect the dots between all of these great conversations and your everyday holy life? So listen in, and I'm going to give you one small step at the end to take into your everyday life. Here's my conversation with Brandon. All right. It's really fun. This is our final episode. I'm here just with Brandon O'Brien, and we're continuing to talk about place and belonging and what does it look like to live a full Christian life wherever we find ourselves, from the suburbs to cities to small towns to rural America. We want to think about place. So Brandon, it's so great to have you back. Thank you so much. It's This has been a blast. So It's I'm been really so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really, I don't like parties, um, but I really like when people that I like uh, meet each other and enjoy each other. And that is what this has felt like. Oh, um, it's been so fun. It's it's an introvert party. It is. This is an introvert (laughs) party. (laughs) We're all in our closets with our headphones and we can just talk ideas. It's great. (laughs) Oh, but we've had such great guests, right? We've had... Danae Pierre from Phoenix, and we've had Jose Humphreys from East Harlem. It's been such a blast to chat with them. They are wonderful new friends, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that the, um, you know, each of us has um, very different personal histories and backgrounds and social cultural context is whatever, but I've been really excited to hear a sort of shared passion for understanding the places that we live and why they matter and how they affect us and, and how we uh, react to them, engage Mm -hmm. with them and, Mm -hmm. um, and those sorts of things. And so it's fun when we can celebrate what's unique about each other and our places, but also 
you know, kind of help to identify what's the same. So Yes, yes. Uh, so be sure if you haven't listened to those episodes, Brandon and I kicked off the series on place uh, together to talk about some of these themes. We Then we chatted, of course, with Danae Pierre about Phoenix and what does it look like to incarnate the gospel and to stay put even when it's tricky, right? And then we talked yeah. as well with Jose Humphreys about East Harlem and the unique challenges and root systems of privilege um, and gentrification and how do we live the gospel in those places as well. So this episode, Brandon and I are going to chat a little bit about what we've appreciated about those conversations and leave you with just a few small steps to begin to think about your own place and how you might live fully present there. So Brandon, what maybe one thing that you really appreciate about our conversations? Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, one thing that Danae and Jose both pointed out for us is that this seems obvious, but I think we, we often miss it is that uh, the places that we live uh, predate us, right? Mm, they, they, mm-hmm. there's a history there. There was, there were, there's, there are uh, conversations happening and, and dynamics at work and all that, that uh, even if we grew up in a place that started before we arrived and they're going to keep going after we leave. Um, and uh, Jose said something really interesting about relationships that helped him see a part of his own neighborhood that he mm. had been blind to. And so there's just this kind of recognition that the, um, that our places have histories, that they're complicated, uh, that our tendency to think that, even if we're from there, that we have the whole picture right. um, is is mistaken. And so mm-hmm. I've appreciated their sort of gentle guidance to push us to look a little deeper mm. into what's around us mm-hmm. um, before we make judgments and think that we, you know, that we're seeing it all perfectly. Right. And, you know, I wonder too how much that sort of position of like you move to New York City or Los Angeles or, you know, whatever big city to like have your break is really mm-hmm. a very kind of privileged position, right? That Mm. I'm going to kind of use this place to like get something more for myself. So I I think there's, when we step back and we say, look, these places have a very complicated history that's way before you and your dreams. And we can think of that not only in like the Hollywood break, but like church planting or ministry, you know, I, I can come into this place and like, I'm going to change it. Uh, yeah, I think it's really humbling. It's a really helpful corrective to begin to see that our places have really complicated root systems, right? Like Jose yeah. was was talking about. That's right. And to treat them, uh, I think Jose mentioned too that staying put helps you to take place seriously as an important factor in, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. in um, your formation and things. And I think we understand hopefully that it's uh that it's wrong to just make friends with people who can help you or to right. exploit your neighbor you know for your personal gain but we do treat the places we live that way mm-hmm. all the time right so like you said we either move because this place gives us access to a career advancement or in church planning there's a lot of romanticism about you know the great need of some place and so i'm going to go and and make an impact and but the, it's really easy to be kind of exploitive about mm-hmm. places. And mm-hmm. I think um, if we can figure out how to think about places in the right way, we could also maybe treat them the way we would mm-hmm. want to treat people, which is with some awareness of their uniqueness and that 
you know, they have something to show us about ourselves and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it does make it a little more personal rather than places just the backdrop of where my life happens. You know, it's, right. the, um, it's an active character in this mm-hmm. show, <laughs> mm-hmm. show that we're all a part of. And so, yeah. um, I mean, I remember like doing like junior high English, right. And it was like the setting was a character and it's true, right. right? You know, our yeah. places are characters. That's right. And I think some places it's easier to see that in others. I, I think I see it more in New York, partly because mm-hmm. I'm new and partly because it changes so fast mm-hmm. um, that you are aware of the history. Because even within two years, I know of that place on the corner by our apartment that has opened and closed in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, in places where change maybe happens more slowly, mm-hmm. um, I think that you 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 may get stuck in the assumption or mythology that things don't change. Mm-hmm. And so that things are always as mm-hmm. they always have been, which mm-hmm. isn't exactly true either. And so I think our relationship to time and our his- mm-hmm. the histories of our places is complicated. And, mm-hmm. um, but once you're, once you kind of become aware of it, you, you see how interesting and complex, you know, our contexts are. Yeah. And, um, I don't, maybe and, that's not fun for everybody, but it's a, it's a lot of fun for me. So. <laughs> I love it. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I'm here for that conversation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, what, it, what it is is saying we're, we're trying to invite, you know, you as our listeners, right, into a thicker conversation about the Christian life. And, you know, I realize as, you know, it just feels like culturally things have kind of shifted in the last 15 years, even the last few years since, um, you know, the election um, in 2016. I feel like that was really a watershed moment wherever you find yourself on the spectrum. And we're, we're trying to say, hey, we're Christians. We believe the gospel. We believe Jesus is true. And yet the gospel is always embodied, right, in actual people and actual places and actual time. And so we're just here for this conversation and to learn, you know, learn (laughs) from people who've understood that maybe for a lot longer um, than maybe even we ourselves have. So it's, we're trying to gently kind of orient ourselves to, hey, reality is maybe a lot thicker and more complex. That's right. Yeah. And what I see in uh, both Danae and Jose and a host of other people um, is that uh, an agility or flexibility to mm. to stay um, once you rec- they've recognized that these things are complex that you you then have to flex with them right yeah. and that mm-hmm. discipleship is not just conforming everybody to a pattern right and then that pattern is going to persist forever but it's it's kind of constantly reassessing mm-hmm. what it means to embody the gospel in my place and that may be different now than it was ten years ago and it may right. be different again. 10 years from now. Right. Um, and I, I don't think that most uh, majority culture churches, for example, that I've been a part of have that kind of agility. Um, right. And so I think that it's just, it's, it's, it's humbling and encouraging to uh, be in conversations with people who have taken that challenge really seriously. Mm-hmm. And um, so. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, yeah. I think one thing we both noted is, um, what was so beautiful about their own histories, um, Jose and Danae, was talking about their kind of submission to to a place. This idea right. of staying put. Um, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. There's a big theme in Jose's book and um, staying put. One of the kind of, I guess, one of three sections in his book. And then Danae mentioned it in terms of you know having 
having been educated and sort of moved up socioeconomically into a group of people that that mm-hmm. has the flexibility to move, but then deciding to stay. Mm. Um, so I think it's really challenging and and uh, humbling to think about uh, knowing that there are better opportunities for me somewhere else, and yet choosing or suspecting that there are maybe, mm-hmm. um, but then choosing to say, even so, I'm gonna I'm gonna remain here mm-hmm. and let this place continue to shape me, and then Lord willing that. I'll continue to shape this place as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me of Jesus, right? Who comes, he didn't come as a generic person. He came, right. he incarnated as a, a specific person in a specific place in a specific time in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and not the most strategic place. Right. Trying to, you know, launch mm-hmm. a worldwide movement. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that it, yeah, I, that there's something deeply Christ-like about that submission to, Mm-hmm. A group of people in a particular place mm-hmm. um, that is very countercultural for us in twenty yeah. first century America. Yes, you know, and what's fascinating too is like you, you know, you see Paul, someone like Paul, and his missionary journeys, and he is going right lots of different places, um, and yet what's still beautiful is even if he's in in a certain place for a certain number of years, or you know, a short visit, or you know, they they throw him out of the city or whatever it is, like he's still like all there. Even mm. if even if he has the call to go, um, he's still all there when he's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, another theme. Uh, we've talked about this a little, or touched on this, but the idea of being staying put, but being present and being faithful today, mm-hmm. right, is mm-hmm. is um, such an important because uh, Paul was someone on the move, but he wasn't uh, he wasn't one foot out the door right when he's visiting Corinth or when he's visiting you know mm-hmm. someplace else. And he is, I think, in investing in infrastructure in that place, right? So he's right. investing in leadership locally who can help leave a legacy of, mm-hmm. of shaping. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not here to talk about uh, leadership development or church planting specifically or whatever, but I think that you, know, that you begin to see the generational faithfulness in somebody like Paul, right? To say that um, we're going to link this body mm-hmm. in Laodicea or in Philippi or whatever kind right. of permanently here yeah. long-term uh, and then making a plan for pass this to your children and pass mm-hmm. this to someone else and, mm-hmm. you know, to push that deep. Um, and that's hard in transient places. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the transiency we see works against that kind of discipleship. Um, yeah. I don't know what it's like where you are in um, Southern California, but I, I've heard church planners say here in certain parts of New York city, it's not every part, but that they have basically complete turnover every couple of years mm-hmm. in their congregations. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, I, I you know, think people, in and out. right. I think here people tend to stay put in their neighborhoods often because, you know, they move, you know, from other kind of coastal cities, you know, for yeah. these, this place, that's still easily commutable to larger cities. And yet, you know, there's great schools and everyone has young families. Um, but I think unfortunately people still move on from, from their communities, either, you know, they're moving to the bigger house up the hill or um, they're moving away from churches, you know, that can deeply know them because of this, well, this, the same idea, right. That infects every place that when we use our places as um, you know, a, a backdrop or a setting that isn't deeply shaping us, but then we can use our places in a kind of a consumeristic model. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think unfortunately the church hasn't, you know, historically in the last 
few generations done a great job of, of what we were talking about with Paul, right? That we're going to kind of institutionally and relationally and generationally kind of dig deep roots um, here. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So I'm curious what, uh, I think that this conversation is really practical, but it can Mm -hmm. seem a little abstract if we don't have some sort of practices, right? Like what, what roots us, Mm -hmm. what can we do? And so um, I think it'd be helpful with our last bit of time, you know, to talk about, yeah, what, how do we help how do we get better at these things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how yeah. do we respect our places better? How do we recognize their influence on us more? Mm-hmm. How do we recognize all of that as part of our formation and disciple, disciple making? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm curious what we can take. Uh, one thing comes to my mind from the conversations we've had mm-hmm. is um, Danae and Jose both mentioned uh, we've alluded to this already in this conversation, the sort of power of histories. Danae made the comment that, you know, that there are people in Arizona who have sort of generational connection prior right. to Arizona being part of America, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which is remarkable. And then New York City has, uh, for an American city, has such a long history mm-hmm. to the you know, 17th century. So, um, so you know, Jose mentioned uh, some of that. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that uh, is typical of a lot of American point of view, but also majority culture of, you know, white American point of view is mm-hmm. that history is in the past and we're right. in the present and we don't always acknowledge how the history affects right. what's happening in the present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so one of the takeaways that for me from this conversation is, or these conversations is, um, and understand the history that has resulted in the kinds of things I see right now. So mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the unique brokenness or the unique populations, you know, mm-hmm. why are, why are these kinds of folks in this place at this time? Mm-hmm. How did they mm-hmm. get here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if, uh, if certain systems are broken, how did they get that way? Um, and so one of my takeaways from this is, you know, is uh, kind of looking at the root systems mm-hmm. as Jose put it. Um, how did things become the way they are right in the place where I live? Right. Um, and I, and as locally as possible. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, the, right. Cause we uh, can't really know, ways. you know, things abstractly. Right. You know, like right. we get into trouble when we think about our place purely in abstract terms. Right. Or That's if right. we, if we imagine what we think this place is and we're not right. actually like right. out on the street and looking at people. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So there's, uh, right. So where do we look? I, th- I think, you know, in some places there's historical societies or there's, right. you know, good resources. Yep. You know, I think that's a great question. And so we want to think about what, what's the history of our place. And so, like you said, we can, we can look at historical societies. I mean, you can Google search. Um, you, what's fascinating where I am in the suburbs too is, you know, all these new master planned communities where, where I am have kind of come from ranch communities, you know, that the land has been finally sold off and developers are creating these new communities. And even if you look at those sorts of new developments on their websites, you, they, they want to tell the history of the place, right. Mm. Of, of the orange groves and the, you know, the, this ranch environment and some of even the street names, right. will give you clues about Mm. what this place was before what it is. 
Yeah. I heard an architect say one time that uh, subdiv- uh, developers like to name subdivisions after the things that they bulldoze to build yes. there, yeah. <laughs> which is a little <laughs> cynical, but also accurate, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Unfortunately, uh. yes. Um, yeah. So I think that might be one question is, you know, yeah. what are the root systems, you know, that you can take, that you can investigate, you know, whether those are racial or socioeconomic, whether, you know, they're the, the history um, of oppression or colonization, but also what are, you know, the, the histories that inform the present place that maybe you might be blind to mm-hmm. is a great question to begin to see are your places as less than static. That's right. Yeah. Good. What's another question you think, Brandon, that we can, you know, I think just asking these questions are helpful ways for us to begin to be self-aware about our places, to see them as actually formative parts of our spiritual lives. So yeah, I think that rootedness question Jose kept talking about was so helpful and the history of our places. Um, Any other ideas? Yeah. Well, um, so this is the history thing is sort of about the past and, you know, maybe a question about the present is, you know, um, and I'd be curious to hear you maybe talk about a practice for this even, but like, how can I see better what, my current place, what my place is currently like. Yeah. So I think that we do have a tendency to think we see the whole picture in our neighborhood mm-hmm. or in our mm-hmm. town. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see it in a certain way. So if, if you drive, if you live in a, a you know, a driving city or in a suburb mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. you, you see the same places from your car window on the same route, you know, et right. cetera. I'm, you know, I like get in, the, I walk a block to the subway and then I'm underground for a few miles and then pop back out and, and I see something different on the weekend. But, right. but even where I am, I'm, I'm only seeing the parts of my neighborhood that are helpful to me, the playground, right. the restaurants, the, you know, whatever. So I think another question might be like, what, what am I missing mm. <laughs> in my place? What, what do I not see right. um, that's here right now? Mm-hmm. And, um, and maybe, you know, how do I uncover mm-hmm. the things that I don't yeah. see on a regular yeah. basis? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I think a lot of it's got to be right. We have to create margin in our time yeah. to be able to yeah. do that, to actually, you know, put that on our calendars and put a, you know, alarm on our phones to be able to do that. Cause it's not going to come naturally that we're going to suddenly see something unless, you know, Jesus like blinds us like he did for Paul. <laughs> <But> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'd rather do it a different way, frankly. But. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. I think we don't have, you know, most of us sort of, uh, uh, we've honed our routine mm-hmm. so that we have just the right amount of time to get places. And that mm-hmm. that does blind us over time, doesn't it? It does. So it does. We have to make some space for that. Right. So, and, sl- and slowing down, like the practice of walking, um, especially yeah. if you're in kind of a commuter culture. Um, walking, you'll see things differently, you know, at a different pace or riding a bike. or. Um, That's right taking public transportation if that's not your normal sort of mode of being. That's right. Good. Okay. So we have looking at the history of our place. Mm -hmm. We have trying to see our place in the present a a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Um, What else can we add to that? I think another question would be, you know, how this whole idea of staying put, we've talked about it um, in all the episodes and there's something so beautiful, right? When you hear Danae speaking about it in Arizona and you hear Jose talking about it in East Harlem, there's something beautiful about what does it look like to stay put? But I'd love to just think through what does it look like to stay put and what's beautiful about that and maybe what's scary about that too. Um, 
So I think that's another great question is explore that idea of staying put. What's appealing and what's frightening a little bit about that idea to begin to take this journey of place internally, right? Because it can, it's not just, it's not new with us. There's a history and a complex set of roots that we need to actually try to work through. But also it's a place affects us internally. And I think that's a really great internal question. I like that. And you're right. It moves us uh, from purely external, the problems out there or the work is out there to internally self-reflecting and recognizing what I bring and what I, Mm -hmm, how mm -hmm. I feel. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, yeah, I think that probably different temperaments or uh, maybe theological Mm -hmm. orientations or something may lead us to one of those or the other externalizing Mm -hmm. or internalizing. Mm -hmm. And I even see it, you know, in when people judge a town or whatever, they say, well, if you know, they don't have good restaurants, what they mean is they don't have restaurants I like, which is, is sort of them externalizing an internal thing. It's mm-hmm. their preference, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think if you can get both of those movements, the, mm-hmm. you know, what, am, what, how do I engage with this by reflecting on things myself? And how mm-hmm. do I engage with this by understanding externally these things better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's actually really a helpful way forward, I think. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. And so I think, you know, spending some time thinking through this idea of staying put, why, why is there a part of me that might bristle about it? And what, what do I find attractive about it and giving yourself some space and time to work through that? Yeah. Excellent. All right. So, um, looking at histories, the history of our place, um, trying to see something different about the present of our place Mm -hmm. differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, so those are the external things. Mm -hmm. And then the Mm -hmm. internal movement is, Mm -hmm. um, asking ourselves what excites us about the idea of staying put and what, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what's scary about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the, I think lastly, right, I think there's got to be, you know, if we are going to be faithful Christians where we are, wherever, you know, God has actually placed us, there's got to be kind of a, a more missional question there too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So in light of the history and the present and and what and what I'm finding in myself. Mm-hmm. What is God asking me to do right right now, today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not forever. Right. But but the present act of faithfulness yes. right now. Right. And what is that yeah. step? Yeah. So I think we can start very you know, very small of you know, who's right in front of me that needs to be seen. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I like that. Um, and the who question moves, uh, may move you into strictly interpersonal kinds of engagements. It may mm-hmm. move you into um, systemic things. If you mm-hmm. notice that a lot mm-hmm. of the people around you that you're seeing are affected by the same kind of thing, then that, mm-hmm. you know, so I think, and I don't think one of those is a better mission right. yeah. than the other. Right. Um, and it can change, right? Over and time. And it can change. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is one of the themes. I've been thinking about this myself, and maybe it's because my kids are growing up, you know, um, we're out of toddler and little kid right. stage and into yep. big kid stage. But I think we do have kind of a, there's this sort of myth of permanence in our, that we tell ourselves, right? Mm. That um, that my personality is just the same as it's always been, right. and that my town is just the same as it's always been, and that my faith should be exactly the same in all of the details as it's always been. Um, but a lot of this conversation, I think, is has kind of reminding me or pushing me to think that all of that stuff 
it shouldn't all be changing all the time. We're not advocating right. for chaos, you know, but, <laughs> right. um, or apostasy, uh, right. <laughs> heresy, <laughs> but just the, but the recognition that the part of this is being faithful just today mm-hmm. and I'm praying about tomorrow, but you know, we can't be faithful tomorrow. We can only be faithful now. Right. Um, and that, that, uh, those different seasons demand different things from us. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I, I don't know. I think that's really beautiful and helpful, actually. I think so, too. I think really what we're saying is, hey, your place is an invitation. You know, it's an invitation into knowing yourself, knowing others, um, knowing God, of course, um, knowing yeah. his people. Um, yeah. 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 And it's, it's, uh, it's countercultural in a digital age to do that. It, it is. Right? Yeah. It is right to say, hey, I'm actually staking my claim on knowing people and being a part of God's mission by an embodied, you know, incarnational presence um, right. that feels, it doesn't feel big or flashy or, mm-hmm. um, you know, successful in any way. Right. Yeah. Good. But it's beautiful. But it's beautiful. <laughs> Here's to many years of unflashy, <laughs> beautiful faithfulness. <laughs> yeah. What else are we going to do? <laughs> well, it's been such a pleasure, Brandon. It's been so fun to chat with Danae and Jose and to talk a little bit more about place. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Brandon J. O'Brien and Here's the thing, friends. I think we can we can use our places to kind of think of them as these blank backdrops upon which we get to act as actors on a stage and create our own identities. And let me just tell you that that is such a modern American story. And the challenge for those of us who are Christians is to actually love our place as well to see how they have affected us and we have affected them and to realize that we are not masters and mistresses of our own domain and we are subject to our place. It is a small imitation that shows us our true humanity. So I hope that you've enjoyed these last four weeks with our guests And I hope that you have one small step to begin to take into your everyday holy life. And I want to leave you with one small step now. And it's this. I want you to keep thinking about it. And so please head on over right now to the link in the show notes, aahales.com slash giveaway, where we want to give you a book. Brandon wrote the book, Not From Around Here. I wrote a book called Finding Holy in the Suburbs, and Jose Humphreys, our guest from last week, wrote a book about seeing Jesus in East Harlem. All three books talk about place. They're deep. They're scriptural. They're spiritual. They will help you on your journey to love the place that you're in, not to look back in nostalgia, not to look forward on hoping that a new place will satisfy, but to actually live right where God's placed you right now to accept those limitations. So we would love it if you could go ahead right now, subscribe to the Finding Holy podcast if you haven't done that already. Go to aahales.com slash giveaway. Make sure you enter to win a book, fill out that quick information and share an episode with a friend. What have you loved recently? And maybe it's been this mini series on place too that's helped you actually learn to look outside the walls of your own house, your own neighborhood, your own city or suburb and begin to ask what God might have you do. So friends, 
I hope that you will take a book for your journey. Head on over to aahales.com slash giveaway. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with a friend because big things matter. And yet, so do those little things. So does the laundry. And I just want to let you know, coming up in Advent, I have a special treat for you. I'm going to bring on my friend and author, Jen Pollock-Michelle. She and I are going to talk through the month of December, four weeks during Advent, about the surprise of Advent and the yeses of Advent. There's so many great things. Head on over to aahales.com for more details or to jenpollockmichelle.com to sign up for her Advent Reflections. And you, once you subscribe, will get all that goodness right wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a link to a very special course Brandon O'Brien is offering. So head on over there as well. So remember, wherever you are, wherever you are placed, those big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.